Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, season seven. Star Wars. This is on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, episode seven. Trapped. When we last left Ahsoka and the Martez sisters, they were caught in a pike tractor beam, capture imminent. Locked inside a cell, Rafa tells Ahsoka their tragic story of loss and anger. How the Jedi let them down in their hour of need. What is a Jedi if not one who protects the helpless, the innocent? Master Kaleen and Padawan Sarah tracked the team to Obadiah, but must resist entering Pike territory. How can they possibly find Ahsoka and the sisters if they cannot land? Feeling a bit trapped themselves, knowing that their next move could spell doom for the former Padawan and her new comrades. Join them! Welcome, ravenous streamers and culture consumers aboard Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Padawan learner Sarah O'Connor, queen of queries, lady of literature, and defender of droids. Pew pew! <laughs> and I'm Jedi Master Colleen McMillan, lady of loggers, Gryffindor prefect, and rebel scum collaborator. With that always quick disclaimer that there's still much both Sarah and I desire to learn about Star Wars to earn the ranks we carry. As a friendly reminder, we'll be discussing some spoilers and using some adult content-y language. So if you haven't watched episode 7 yet, or the idea of Ahsoka and company being mercilessly tortured by Ramsey Bolton's robotic doppelganger, if that's not enough dramatic tension for you, or that's just too much for you, come back when you're ready to watch the nitty-gritty details of one hero's astounding journey. So without further ado... Let's punch it, Colleen. Yahoo! <laughs> All right, listeners, let's hop into the Millennium Fandom for our episode recap. Our opening card this week is Who You Were Does Not Have to Define Who You Are. And this episode opens with Ahsoka and the Martez sisters locked inside a shielded cell. Rafa and Ahsoka argue over who is to blame for their predicament, and Ahsoka points out that running spice helps ruin lives, and that Rafa would be responsible for those ruined lives. Damn right she would. So, sick of Ahsoka's morality lecture, Rafa tells her about how their parents died, so super sad story there, referencing a season one episode where Cad Bane helped Zero the Hut escape Coruscant we find out that the Jedi basically caused the Martez sisters' wow, parents' wow. death. Tough look for our Jedis, always. So the girls were left with no home, no family, and the Jedi who caused the accident didn't offer them any protection or compensation for these costly losses. So when Rafa is taken and questioned um, before being even tortured by a droid, Trace tells Ahsoka that she helped her because of Mama Martez who believed, like we do, in helping people who are in trouble, saying, quote, she's always believed in helping others. This life I have, it's not how I was raised. It's how it is. Tough, tough quote. Oh the so guards bad. return Rafa and take Trace, who fairly easily escapes them with the old, I'm a female, watch me faint <laughs> ruse. Uh, yeah. very, very beguiling. <laughs> yes, exactly. The blushing bride. I'm surprised he caught her and didn't drop her exactly. or let her fall down. He like <laughs> caught her. I was like, oh, gentlemen, that's great. So after this happens, Ahsoka and Rafa get out of their cell. Thanks to Ahsoka's covert Jedi Force moves to open the door, and they run to find Trace. 
After a brief argument between the sisters, which was really adorable sibling thing going on there, they flee the prison complex and try to blend in with the crowd and find a way off planet. Trey spots her silver angel before the trio is captured again, but we the viewers get a huge treat before they are. And that treat is Mandalorians! Bo-Katan and two others watch Ahsoka run from the pikes, and Bo-Katan says that they'll be watching her. Because, bum bum bum, dot dot dot, plot ever spinning, Ahsoka might be useful to their mission. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And though you, dear listener, might not have appreciated this, or maybe you did, we end up right (laughs) where we started in that darn jail cell with death at the door. Or is it? Bum bum bum! Cliffhanger. All right, so we really enjoyed this episode, and now there'll be some people who will be a little pissed off at that ending, but let's start going into our theme for this week. It is choices and morality. So this is going back to the title card, Moral. The choices you made in the past don't have to dictate what you do or who you become in the future. You can make the choice to become better, or you can fall to the darkness. We ask that the great good place question, what do we owe to each other? So speaking of that great show, The Good Place, and the question, what do we owe each other? We see a few characters from the episode and the choices that they make and the implications of those choices. I mean, Ahsoka were just watching the arc following her choice to leave the Jedi Order. And then the choice that she's making in the micro telling Rafa that the lives ruined by the spice she ran belonged to her quote, you can't profit from other people's suffering, or at least I won't let you. And it's interesting that Ahsoka says this, meanwhile, still seemingly being on the spice run herself. It's kind of almost a meta critique, if you will. Um, But at this point, Rafa, if we're looking at this in the micro, she doesn't care that, cho- that the choice to run Spice could hurt people. It reminds me a little bit of this moment in Game of Thrones where Sam Tarly says, I care about other people, but but not really when it comes to caring about you, you know, my future wife, my future son. It's this idea mm-hmm. of what kind of obligations do we owe to our family, our friends, our immediate circle, and what impact or ramifications we owe to the people at large who may be that kind of butterfly effect, ripple effect. And yep. and frankly, it can be hard, you know, in the middle of a pandemic here for some of us to look at our choices and see the far-reaching implications. And Rafa mm-hmm. and hopefully a few of us in the real world will recognize sooner rather than later that maybe we didn't think far enough ahead on this and that there are certain obligations moving forward plot twist the worm ever whatever that what's that phrase the worm ever turns or something the world world as it turns yeah (laughs) maybe i'm thinking of tequila (laughs) (laughs) the poor tequila worm at the very bottom nobody wants him And then you also, we wanted to look at Trace a little bit. So she actually makes a, it could, it depends on the ripple that happens from this, but she chooses to release the other prisoners, those two guys that were in the pipe prison with her. Yep. This not only shows that she knows how to use her available resources to help defeat the guards, 
it shows her moral compass is pointing in the right direction. Yeah, chaos is told- a ladder, but it's also right? helpful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You got those rungs. Use those guys as your rungs. That's fine. I mean, they escaped. It's great. And then she told her Ahsoka that her mother believed in helping others if she could. And it's obvious here that this has rubbed off on Trace. Even though she did free them to kind of help her own cause as well, she still freed them. Like, I don't know if Rafa would have done that. Right, right. I mean, she she was willing. We saw her push Ahsoka into the guard's hands. It's it's very much Rafa feels an ownership to her sister, and that's kind of it. But it's all. But we also get the sense that Rafa, first and foremost, owes ownership and um, loyalty to herself. So, yeah. uh, you know what? I I'm not in Rafa's position. Who who can I say? But what we can say is that one of the arguable biggest mistakes that they may have made. During their initial escape attempt, because I'm going to guess another one's coming, (laughs) is when Rafa rudely tells off a beggar. Mm -hmm. Now, the beggar, Colleen, since you're better at this, why don't you break (laughs) down whom the beggar is? Okay, so this poor guy, he's a member of the Gotel species and shouts to our dude Aberforth Dumbledore for this this goat person. I'm sure he would have been super happy to find a planet full of goat people. This guy ends up turning them in to the guards. Yep. If Rafa had given him even a little bit of money, even like one credit to show generosity of spirit to like say, you know, I don't have a lot of money. Here's one credit or something. If she had given him that, they might not have been recaptured. Yep. And and I'll do another uncharacteristic because we rock hard for Ahsoka. Like, mm-hmm. l- let's not misconstrue anything. But again, with the kind of like meta critique, it's really interesting that Ahsoka says, as she does, that she always chooses to help people. But I don't know if we were watching the same episode, Ahsoka, <laughs> but I did not see you shelling out those coins. To be fair, maybe you don't have any. You were on a Jedi salary, question mark. But you, we also didn't see you stopping your mission to to get off this planet to get the dude some money or grub. So, exactly. uh, so like kind of as, as easy-er as it may be for us to ding Rafa, some mm-hmm. of the critiques, if mm-hmm. you press it hard enough, it, it depends on how much you want to analyze it, right? Because we all have our flaws and our highlights. Ultimately, one of the other maybe flaws or highlights, we have yet to see how this play out, is Ahsoka's choice not to tell Rafa or Trace her personal truth. What what was kind of the key quote to us, Colleen, regarding this kind of choice to not disclose yet? Mm -hmm. Yep. She chooses to impart like some of her personal doctrines on Rafa, when they're talking about like things that we owe to each other and how we behave, she says, quote, in my life, if you find people who need your help, you help them no matter what. I guess it's just who I am, unquote. Except Again, for that beggar. poor beggar. <laughs> <laughs> except for the smelly drunken beggar. <laughs> yeah. Except for in this except for within twenty minutes of me saying this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so well, this is like a great sentiment and she's she is helping the sisters. Her lack of candor about being a Jedi is going to get her into trouble here. Yeah. And then, again, speaking of choices, and and again, 
it's it's an interesting meta-analysis as we're like super stoked to be seeing these fierce females on the screen. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, it just by happenstance, yet again, Bo-Katan, fierce female, um, had some highs, had some lows. Mm. Here, she chooses not to help Ahsoka. And so it's really fun to do this kind of morality juggling act in one's own mind when we're going to be able to assess her own arc. It's mm-hmm. it's all of these different arcs coming all together. So for the frustrated folks, and sometimes we feel you on that, like this is how the magic gets made. And, yeah. and so we see her start off Clone Wars as a terrorist and someone who mm. isn't bothered at all when the Death Watch, not good people, oppresses no. the people of Karlak. And, mm-hmm. But when Maul takes over, Colleen, I'm going to let you take over because Maul, <laughs> Maul is both of our boy. What, yeah, he's our boy. Maul here? Tr- problematic Maul <laughs> that is our boy, but that's fine. He's great. Um, so Maul does take over. Death Watch at first and then eventually takes over Mandalore, Bo-Katan is forced to work with Obi-Wan and Duchess Satine, who is her sister, work with her anti-violence followers. So when push comes to shove, she's willing to put her life on the line to save her sister and Mandalore. She is loyal to Mandalore. And then also, I'm going to put a little pause here because burp, burp, burp. <laughs> we have a couple spoilers coming up here for Bo-Katan about Rebels and Mandalorian, the TV show. Yep. Spoilers ahead. You have been warned. While we don't know exactly how Bo-Katan's arc ends yet, we do know that she becomes the leader of Mandalore when Sabine Wren gives her the Darksaber, this kind of ceremonial ancestral Excalibur, if you will, like giving her the right to rule Mandalore. She goes from this rogue terrorist to leading her entire people. Now, while Moff Gideon has the Darksaber in the Mandalorian, in the last episode of season one, we find this out. We don't know how he got it. We're really hoping he stole it and didn't kill Bo-Katan for it during the purge. Because I want to know that her arc will end on screen. As opposed yeah. to just being unceremoniously decapitated or something by Moff Gideon. Even though Giancarlo Esposito, I'm sure he can decapitate with the best of them. I just don't want it to happen off screen. Yep, yep. And then shouts really quickly to Ventress's redemption arc mm. in Clone Wars and Dark Disciple, which um, Colleen broke down for us, I think, just last episode or two episodes ago. So shouts to the Dark mm-hmm. Disciple, because I really wanted to see her in action on the screen. Mm-hmm. But Colleen once again reminded me that that's just really not going to happen. So... Though that's disappointing, what's not disappointing is getting to transition to our holocrons, our seven repositories of knowledge. So, Colleen, to kind of kick us off, once again, Star Wars (laughs) being classically Star Wars, like this is not Star Wars without Star Wars, help us with the setting, time, and location, because once again... Something is off with the mother trucking timeline. Why? You're not Wait, wrong. Can we get a droid like why? Why? Yes. Why? Calling it all. What hey, has happened? Molly. What have you done? Okay, so I'm going to start out with time here because I was super irritated to find this out. 
With a couple of helpful suggestions from our friends Sean and Matt, the estimated place within the Clone Wars timeline for this walkabout arc is probably a before the Bad Badge episode. What? Yep. yep. They did such, it to us again. Folks. It's such mm. bullshit. I'm just like, for okay, real. it's Star Wars, <laughs> but it's bullshit. Really? I'll like, actually swear. I'll swear on this one. <laughs> Yeah, Sarah was like, what? <laughs> no, tell me it's not true. Tell me it, that's impossible. Seriously. So what's so what are the arc breakdowns? What are they okay. supposed to be, Colleen? Mm-hmm. So originally, before Clone Wars was canceled, they had a plan for six and seven season. And they did eventually make the first half of technically the sixth season, which we saw through Yoda's arc. So Ahsoka's walkabout episodes were coded as episodes 6.5 through 6.8. And then the Bad Batch episodes come directly after it, coded 6.9 through 6.12. Cool, cool, cool. Mm. Great. Yeah, great. And then to make us even more frustrated and angry, the Siege of Mandalore episodes, which are coming up to culminate this season seven, were actually originally coded as episodes 7.21 Why? and 7.24. <laughs> season 6 and 7 were supposed to be 24 episodes each. So we've missed some things. I mean, uh-huh. yes, we do have some comics and novels that included the arcs that were taken out, but this this made me so mad, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so mad. <laughs> it is so flipping ridiculous but but you know what i'll say i'll say on behalf of some of the people who are like this episode was too slow maybe some of those people were like good i don't even want to see those episodes but like i do okay i do i do i would like them to be in chronological order but i'm still happy i've gotten them (laughs) the only thing i want out of order is dessert at the cheesecake factory that is that is the only time such a good call And so you posit, or maybe some other people have posited, how can Mm -hmm. we look to Anakin's movements to maybe Mm. track the timeline in a very Doctor Strange kind of way? Yes. So in the walkabout arc, in the second episode of this arc, we see Anakin aboard the Resolute, which is the Star Destroyer Venerator class, with Admiral Yularen above Coruscant. So he hasn't left yet for the Outer Rim sieges. And then in the Bad Batch episodes, he mentions that the Outer Rim sieges have been taking longer than he thought. Cool, cool, cool. So that gives us another clue that this is out of chronological time. Is there, Damn it. <laughs> I really want to meet the fans out there who are able to legitimately explain it through some like parallel time or time warp <laughs> loop or like a string theory so whoever mm-hmm. has a string theory to make this even make sense in this dimension i mm-hmm. we welcome you preemptively onto the show <laughs> <laughs> yes just come join us please <laughs> and so moving to location we get to mm-hmm. see obadiah again but this time we actually get a little bit more into the nitty gritty actual city kitty and yeah. that's really kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, break us down, Colleen. People, places, kind of things that were maybe mm-hmm. sp- spotting. Yes. So it was really cool to see the city because I expected this to be just pikes, like an entire planet of pikes. Yeah. Kind of like Skeko Minor 
was basically droids plus the techno union want tambor guys but it's not it's super cosmopolitan like way more bustling kind of city place so fetch so fetch i get all my best spices for real i mean this entire city probably runs on spice trade but that's fine so some of the aliens we see we see a couple different species we see the three guys who are locked in the pike prison one is a snivian one is an ethorian which is that kind of hammerhead guy and one is a weak way and that that's a fun really name excited the weak way yeah that's fun <laughs> it's a really fun name for a kind of dastardly people <laughs> Which I'll, I'll mention in just a second. So we later in the episode, this was kind of a fun little Easter egg. We saw the Ithorian and the Weakway prisoners, the ones that Trace had let out. They escape through the city while the Pikes are looking for Ahsoka and the sisters. You Ooh. see them kind of sneaking away, like looking around being like, oh shit. Very Scooby-Doo-like. Sneaking away. Yes. Super like on their tiptoes, just getting away. Like, Yay. And so with the weak way, I'm really hoping for a little bit of a Hondo Onaka cameo. Mm. Like that would be awesome if it happened. Like considering Trace helped the weak way prisoner escape, he might be part of Hondo's crew. I don't know. He could show up. A girl can hope. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but that's fine. Yep. I mean, he's a little more Hondo in my life, but I'll be able to accept if he's not there. And then we also see a couple other alien species. We see a Twi'lek, an Aqualish, and an Alina. And then our friend Tori pointed out there's a human who looks really suspiciously like a clone. And I and I was like, it could either be a clone or they just used kind of the same human template for the character. But yeah. then I'm like, ooh, could this be Gregor? Like post-escape from season five episodes? Which would be kind of cool if this connects back into the be like tori gotta shout you out for this find yeah great, seriously great and speaking of shouts to people about people moving on to our second holocron who is here jumping mm-hmm. straight to kind of get this out of the way obviously we're working with ahsoka trace and rafa and we're going to talk about their character growth a little bit later so getting to the main event that we anticipate is setting up an even more delicious dish we hope mandalorians colleen damn right tell me about all this all right so we get bo-katan crease of course we also get ursa ren who is the mother of Sabine Wren from Rebels. Woo-hoo! And then we have a third unidentified Mandalorian. Now, these guys are seen really close to the episode's end. They're on a mission. They can't give Ahsoka a hand quite just yet. This is understandable. Like, the last time Bo-Katan and Ahsoka interacted was in a season four episode, and they were enemies. I mean, Ahsoka basically kicked Bo's ass, so... Oops. <laughs> Be like, oopsie-doopsie. Sorry, I'm not helping you quite yet. But now that Pre Vizsla is dead and Death Watch with him, Bo-Katan could use a little extra help. So we're thinking she's going to recruit Ahsoka. Yeah, Ahsoka's got the muscle. Like, in a zombie apocalypse, if Ahsoka would have me, and honestly, I would not fault her for for once again forgetting the beggar. (laughs) I would ask her for help. Oh, she would help you in the zombie apocalypse. Sure. Now, we don't know what the Mandalorian's mission is here, 
It probably has to do with undermining Maul's alliance with the Pikes, like trying to destabilize his Shadow Collective a little bit, because that's what's running Mandalore at the time. Yeah. So that's probably what they're trying to do to kind of lessen Maul's hold. I don't think it's going to work quite this way, but these fierce Mandal ladies can hope. Yeah. I don't know if Ursa Ren and the other Mandalorian are part of the Night Owls faction, this was the elite group of Mandalorian soldiers that Bo-Katan led. They were originally part of Death Watch, but they splintered from the group when Maul took over. And that's that kind of cool owl sigil sigil you see on Bo-Katan's helmet. It's the owl. Yeah. And anytime so we spot an owl next to Ahsoka, I go, does this mean anything? And I look around. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you should, you should be thinking of. And speaking of looking around and trying to find things, pivoting to our villains, the Pikes are still hanging around and really keen on finding that sticky, icky, ooey gooey spice. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit of that kind of villainous backstory about who who is involved here for those who haven't rewatched some of the earlier episodes in order out of order to be ready for this episode. Exactly. Yeah, you had to go back and watch a little bit of season five. So Marg Krim, who's kind of the leader of the Pikes right now, he must be really, really afraid of Maul. Or he's so new to this position that he has to make a show of force. Because they embarrassed him with that Jedi mind trick. So he's trying to save face here. Yeah. And then there's his little second-in-command guy, Fife, who seems to be a little bit more on the ball than Marg Krim is. He might even know that Ahsoka's a Jedi. Or at least more than a common thief smuggler. He says to Ahsoka when she attempts to rescue the sisters very late in the episode, quote, I knew keeping them in the open would draw you out. So he either has a better opinion of swindlers in general, or he knows something is up with our little Togruta girl here. Yeah. And so now is the time for us to pivot to our third holocron, cool culture. And when Rafa tells Ahsoka the story of her parents' death, Rafa mentions a beautiful Jedi with dark robes, light green skin, and penetrating eyes and rafa also adds what this jedi said to her after inadvertently killing the martez parents quote i had to make a choice but not to worry the force will be with you (laughs) perfection (laughs) and i'm not gonna lie but i don't need thoughts and prayers the force will be with you i need my mom my dad and my house, what WTF, man, we'll cover mm-hmm. this moral ambiguity, but we wanted to take a closer look at this mysterious Jedi with questionable con- uh, consolation techniques. Terrible, <laughs> terrible bedside manner. Yeah. <laughs> Colleen, who's the Jedi with one of the worst bedside manners mm-hmm at least that uh, is in the Clone Wars, we'll say. (laughs) Yes. So we theorized that this Jedi was Luminara Unduli. And if it was, Ahsoka's probably feeling even worse now after Rafa tells the story, because she was really close to Luminara and Barriss Afi, who was Luminara's Padawan. 
But it was also because of Ahsoka and Anakin that Zero the Hut was in custody on Coruscant in the first place. Yep. So would the sisters have lost their parents if Anakin and Ahsoka hadn't captured Zero? It's really hard to say, but you have to be sure that Ahsoka is thinking about this. Like, she's really thinking about it. Yeah, and you, dear listener and dear watcher, that's why this episode <laughs> exists. Like, you yes. can't just have Rafa be like, yo, moral ambiguity question. A Jedi offered <laughs> me thoughts and prayers after my parents die. How do you feel about that? Like, no, 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 no. It's got to mm-hmm. be, be muddled within an escape chase <laughs> so yes, that exactly. it, the blow is a little bit softened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, otherwise, oof, yikes. That'd be a tough one to sell for the kids. And oh, so that's... where is Luminara from? Who who mm-hmm. is she? Because I I had a master and apprentice moment when you were like, oh yes, I can easily identify. <laughs> I just need to check a few things. And I'm like, all right, Colleen, get to it, girl. You do you. I'll I'll sit and wait. Well, I knew when Rafa made that description, I was like, it's gotta be Luminara because nobody else would talk that poorly to two teenage girls that just lost their parents so luminara is a miri alan from the planet muriel in the outer rim there are a near human so they're not completely human but a near human race with green yellow pink or purple skin and they have a penchant for those facial tattoos these tattoos designate personal achievements they're deeply spiritual people who have a natural understanding of the force and you might remember from season one, there's this tradition among the Miralan Jedi that they only take Miralan Padawans. That, which is um, why Barris is with Luminara. Like, shouldn't the Jedi be like? Manner? That's kind of not really what we do with the Force. Mm-hmm. Like, the Force okay. isn't like that, though. <laughs> right? Like, that doesn't. No again. Again, maybe I'm just a contrarian who just wants mm-hmm. a droid uprising. So, like, maybe I'm problematic. <laughs> the but but there yeah, was, there was one who didn't. I mean, Mace Windu's master was Sislin Mir. She chose him, and he was human. So, it's possible for them to break away from tradition. Yeah. But I'm guessing she was like one of the only ones that did. Gotcha. And then our fabulous seventh sister, voiced by Sarah Michelle Gellar in Rebels also a Miralan, and she is one of the Inquisitors from Star Wars Rebels. So this great, like, natural understanding of the Force, like, we are a deeply spiritual people, can still fall to the dark side. Yeah, I, yeah, I I look at this Jedi with, like, a huge side, super stinky <laughs> eye. And with our other eyes, let's pivot to our fourth holocron, that cool item, since it was kind of a jail within a jail episode, we wanted to give a shout to Trace's Silver Angel, which is a nebulous class fighter freighter. Um, mm-hmm. She repurposed it and rebuilt the ship to have more speed, that more punch, and plans on getting Rafa out of the con game by using the ship. Um, may the force be with you on that. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> she is absolutely loath to leave it behind, refusing to accept another ship when they're trying to escape. And that's a tough look. Yeah, that's um you I, any ship. <laughs> any ship. And is this ship Carillion? We don't know yet. Co- mm-hmm. Colleen, did you have any other kind of research tip tippy tips on yeah. this? 
I mean, I checked online. The only thing available is that it says it's a Nebula class freighter. It doesn't say like where it's manufactured or where it comes from, where it's produced, basically. However, that cockpit is really similar to the Falcons and to the Ghosts from Rebels. So it kind of makes me think, yes, it's Corellian, like with those kind of visual cues. Yeah. But it might not be. Somebody might have poached a design. Yep. So so I guess we'll say for this cool item, if the Martez sisters don't get the Sand sisters treatment deserved or not, <laughs> maybe we'll learn a little bit more in a few months or years about the Silver Angel. <laughs> Until then, happy belated Passover and Easter <laughs> as we move to our fifth holocron, our homages and easter eggs colleen walk us through a few of these all right so our first one is the pike prison we have seen this before in clone wars season six episode the lost ones when obi-wan and anakin are searching for the master sifo-diaz so we have seen it before not a ton of it but little bits here and there we remember but the they, they got City you twice Con- this time so it makes up for the difference exactly exactly and then you had pointed out one from the amazon series the boys yeah and this also fits into marvel's avengers series the jedi are kind of like these superhero teams or in case of the boys anti-superhero teams they leave behind collateral damage they ruin lives there are these untouchable people with incredible power but they have no checks on the power Yep. And the superheroes in the boys really fit this description. Yeah, so shouts to that on, I think Amazon Prime has mm-hmm. the show The Boys. If you're looking for a new show and you like the idea of superheroes being kind of inverted, mm-hmm. that would be something fun to maybe pass some hours. Mm-hmm. And then Definitely. piggybacking kind of off of our Robin Hood commentary last episode, kind of like if you steal from the rich and give to the poor that's great but you can also cause irreparable damage to people's lives so instead get out and vote for a different galactic senate (laughs) i don't i don't know you know (laughs) right so and so that kind of idea maybe gives us a quick shout to the wilhelm screen that is Mm, scream that is so 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 classic Yep, it's used in pretty much everything. Every Star Wars, you get this Wilhelm scream that kind of like, <laughs> somebody's like falling into a pit or getting exploded by something and you hear this stock scream. It's kind of become this running gag. I love it. I love hearing it. <laughs> and where do we kind of get that Indiana Jones and mm. The Last Crusade homage, which you kind of pointed out as our fourth one? Yep, so when Ahsoka makes that jump across the retracted bridge, Trace and Rafa are kind of like staring down into the abyss, thinking that she fell. This mirrors the scene in Last Crusade when Papa Jones, Sala, and Marcus are looking into the gorge, thinking Indy fell. And this absolutely, totally not attractive at all, Harrison Ford, ambles up behind them, perfectly safe, and kind of like was looking at him like, what are you looking at? Like looks over the cliff. Yep. Such a great scene. I love that scene. And then kind of the fifth one is when viewers mention that Ahsoka and the sisters end up right where they started. It's very much like the great escape. 
They hear on this classic movie, Steve McQueen is recaptured and ends up back at the prison camp. Mm -hmm. And and Colleen, I think you had half expected Ahsoka to pretty much (laughs) toss a ball against the wall, right? Yep, I expected that theme song to play. I expected maybe some Nazi commandants to come by with some sort of like snappy repartee. Yeah. Poor little Steve McQueen Ahsoka character. So yeah, I mean, yes, they ended up in the same place where they started, but it's not like this hasn't been done before and in a very classic film. Yeah, and I'll also say, you know what, honestly, if they hadn't ended up back in prison, what kind Mm. of drug smuggling, Mm. smuggling badass, like the worst in the galaxy, if they had gotten out, wouldn't that have been just like a worse story like i no matter what there's going to be people who critique and there are going to be Mm -hmm. people like us who podcast so Mm -hmm. so instead that point has been made let's move on to our next point about kind of overarching plot things that Mm -hmm. kind of classic (sighs) (sighs) darth (laughs) plotius heck yes i love this section So, obviously, Ahsoka's way more athletic than she looks, which is my favorite line from this episode. Oh, yeah. But the Martez sisters don't yet know why. So, Rafa points out that her jump isn't normal, but they haven't connected all the dots yet. Unlike us, they don't know who she is. Yeah, they didn't realize she was not a long jumper who lost (laughs) her college scholarship. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Exactly. So... It'll be really interesting to see how they handle the truth when it comes out and how it comes out. Because it's, we coming, know out. it's coming out. It's yeah, coming it's coming out. out. It has to. She might, well, they might be rescued by the Mandalorians. One of them could like tip a mention how they know Ahsoka and why they're helping her. Cover blown. Yeah. Lots of explaining to do Ahsoka. And kind of for the Siege of Mandalore spoilers, just going off from the Clone Wars trailers because I mm. I have been a little bit slow on the uptake in light of the pandemic. I'm still coming at this fresh. I have no idea. Mm. We're recording this after episode eight has come out, but like I haven't seen it yet and Colleen's mm-hmm. not going to spoil it for me <laughs> or for mm-hmm. us. So I'll just say that we do know that Ahsoka and Bo-Katan team up for the siege based on the trailers. This is... Mm-hmm our deductive reasoning regarding what's been already released. Yes. We also know that Rex will be with Ahsoka on planet, right? Mm-hmm. Or is it Bo-Katan? Um, it's Bo-Katan. Rex, oh, and Bo-Katan. Rex and Ahsoka will be with her on Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good, good. To, their main mission will be to either capture like Batman or eliminate like the Joker <laughs> Maul. Yes. <laughs> and that would most likely lead to Bo-Katan taking back the planet and her people until yes. the next Star Wars movie, says Until says there's another purge, because <laughs> yes. there's, gonna be a, there's always another purge. There's, uh, there's yeah. always another purge. However, mm-hmm. we also know that some bad stuff is going to go down because Order 66, the clock's just ticking on yeah. when that's going to happen mm-hmm. while she and Rex are still on Mandalore. And yep. since Maul is present in Rebels, yes, yep. he must <laughs> escape Jedi custody at this time as well. And before we get to the seventh holocron, in my dream of dreams, someone <laughs> creates like Obi-Wan 
being a force ghost coming to Maul and them them like truly finally having that sit down that Obi-Wan yeah. tried to have with Maul. Like yeah. I really want that for Maul. That poor, too. fierce, feral, yes. force wielding yeah. cat. <laughs> I mean, Maul has a lot. We're going to unpack him in the Siege of Mandalore arcs coming up, but to be fair, he was taken by Palpy when he was very small. Like yeah. probably I would say since he mirrors Obi-Wan so closely, he was probably taken at three, three years old by Palpatine. So he's been groomed by Palpatine since he was a toddler. Yeah. And we all know about nature versus nurture, folks, and nurture's gonna win every time. Yeah. And Palpy is not very nurturing. (laughs) Not at all. No, 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 no. And speaking of not nurturing, this is a perfect time for us to move to our, I'm gonna put a question mark, defender of droids. (laughs) Because we at the Droid Liberation and Defense Organization are very concerned about that very cool and terrifyingly looking 8D smelter droid that has been repurposed by a Ramsey Bolton lookalike as a torture torture droid. We can be... We see one, I believe, Colleen, correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. at, Jabba's, at Jabba's Palace on Tatooine in Return of the Jedi. That yeah. one was a 8D. Eight. And yes. and since you're so much better at this, Colleen, <laughs> break down for us who we think these droids were manufactured by and kind of who they are a little bit before we move yes. on to the next segment. Yes, our poor little 8Ds, they're just being repurposed for torture all the time. They were manufactured by the Roche Hive instead of the Techno Union, the guys that we've seen before with Wat Tambor. So, and that's maybe because they're industrial droids as opposed to battle droids. Like maybe Tenno Union only, like, or at least currently in the Clone Wars, works exclusively on battle droid models. Yeah, ba- so, battle droids yeah. are okay to them, but once you <laughs> yes. once you toe the line into blatant torture, that's that's the no no for them. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it's a tough tough thing for these poor droids because the Pikes Eight D droid. He seems to have a lot in common with Jabba's little minion, the ability to torture and actually enjoy it. I love that tiny little, that tiny little evil. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Big palpy vibes there from this torture droid. (laughs) And so now that we're thoroughly uncomfortable and laughing at torture, (laughs) let's move to our next segment. The I've got a bad feeling about this critics corner. So first things first, macro level, it is raining them women. Hallelujah. A woman. And (laughs) so we don't want to belabor this. We know that people griped about this being arguably slow. We've mentioned that. Hello. Tip of the hat to that. But as two women... Mm-hmm. In this podcast on Star Wars, when I would, I believe, although I haven't done any stats on this, mm-hmm. so prove me wrong. It's a very, it was a very male saturated genre, and it is yes. super flipping boss, including myself and you, Colleen, as quote unquote mm-hmm. late bloomers, mm-hmm. if one could argue that to watch two women, Ahsoka and Trace, know how to fix machines, pilot mm-hmm. ships, and mm-hmm. like just use their bodies effectively in dangerous situations. That's yes. 
forking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Yeah. And so is it slow? Yes. No. Maybe so. I think it is so nice for us to have this time on like historically and a lot of the other at least visual depictions of Star Wars to watch these women do at least kind of archetypally male things Mm -hmm. and the fast and furious and femme fatale vibes without Mm -hmm. the need for sexuality is super sexy hold the sex to me yep it's great it makes me wonder because originally this arc her walkabout arc was supposed to have her paired with a male roguish kind of character Uh uh-huh i haven't seen that in star wars though it's a shame that they didn't do that. Right. Like, I've never seen a Poe Dameron in Star Wars. I've never seen a Han Solo in Star <laughs> never, Wars. I've never once. seen a Lando Calrissian. I don't know what that looks like. Show it to yep. me. Show me a roguish I mean, male. <laughs> Ahsoka doesn't have, like, a love interest that's a little roguish either. Not at all. I mean, that's oh, well, Terry. Not roguish at all. Not who was a little bit? Who was? Yeah. Okay. Was that his name? The young, the young yeah. attract. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, I was her by taking the escape pod. Yeah, like I, like Instead I don't of know talking to her. Yeah, I don't know if this is like okay to say because this is totally first of all an animated person and second of all mm-hmm. like age age issues here. But I'm gonna say like I totally was like, hey boo, what's what's up? You you oh, yeah. kind of. You could, you're not sure which side you're going on. I'll listen to you. What do you have to say? <laughs> Ahsoka was certainly listening. Yeah, Ahsoka <laughs> was definitely listening. <laughs> but at least here, we know, the viewers know, and they know, no man, or anyone for mm. that matter, is coming to rescue them. They need to be their own flipping heroes. And mm. I've never broken out of prison effectively. So who <laughs> am I to say that it should be wrapped up in a 22 minute or 25 minute arc? I, mm-hmm. I don't know. But what mm-hmm. we do know is that we'd argue that even if location, they ended up in the same place, mm-hmm. story arc, character development, subtle things that will pay, we think, dividends later. Mm-hmm. Flipping exists, and if you weren't watching, maybe rewatch and then come back to us because we're flipping pumped. You can't mm-hmm. say that Rafa didn't change here. Nope. She went she in did. condoning her actions in the beginning of the episode to apologizing in the end, saying, "You For know, quote, real. I'm sorry, I never should have taken this job." Talk about admitting something nope. that would be taking <laughs> responsibility. Mm-hmm. And Ahsoka, as Ahsoka tells her, quote, we live and learn. Mm-hmm. And like in mm-hmm. in this day and age, in this like ant hive connected but not connected kind of thing, it's so important. And I think it's so great for us to be able to watch a show about war, but but also that message of like you are – you you can and you will make mistakes, but living is part of learning. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. so great. So like and accepting your mistakes. This character growth, Rafa's bravado, it's it's all gone and mm-hmm. and and that's attractive to see. That accepting yes. of responsibility, you know, from a critic's critique, I suppose what we're really critiquing here is maybe just being really excited to see the difference that currently exists because before it didn't. And that's why I like nom, 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 new <laughs> yeah. content. 
Like these mm-hmm. news stories are just like, nom, nom, nom. Give me more. That's, that's my critique. Give me more. I'm excited. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's really nice that none of the three characters have been fridged yet. Yeah. <laughs> to help develop the other two characters. I mean, we don't, I, I know, but other people might not know, like whether I had posited that one of the sisters might die. In our first episode of this arc, I was very fearful of that because yeah. fridging is you what used like it's a, a story kind of term for when you kill off one character to make another character motivated to do something. Yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, it's a could we ask Ben Solo about that though? Like <laughs> right? would he know? Could we ask Duchess Satine about that? Oh yeah, she would love to oh she's she's dead. She's dead right. though. <laughs> but at least Obi Wan grew, right? Yep. At least he made sure yep. that his Padawan did not make the same as Oh. oh, and speaking of that, let's move on to our second crit- critic's corner. Um, speaking of Obi-Wan checking himself, let's check your upper level Coruscant privilege, folks. Mm-hmm. Like, including ourselves in some ways, one, one of the things that Colleen and I had kind of talked about is when I was really young, I was the big sister to a little sister. Mm -hmm. Like my parents' divorce was very tumultuous. I had my first job at 14. In in many ways, I identify with Trace and Rafa in in ways some viewers may not. And Mm -hmm. and I think, Colleen, you had a similar kind of Mm -hmm. growing up, arguably way too early kind of thing, right? Yep. Yep. My parents got divorced also when I was 15, 16. I have a little brother. I'm the big sister with a little brother, feeling like we're against the world. I had my first job, got hired when I was 15, and I was basically my brother's keeper for a really long time. Once I had that driver's license, my mom was pretty much like, nope, you get to drive him everywhere. And I was big mad about it at the time, but now I realize that she just wanted me to protect him and make sure that he got where he was supposed to be going. So in other words, we both had a lot of responsibilities yep. to our younger siblings. Yep. And so I think, I think again, I feel kind of, I feel, I feel like this Critics Corner is more of, in some ways, a venting <laughs> session because <laughs> there is something that I think may speak just like any Star Wars story. Let's be serious, right? Mm-hmm. This Star Wars arc, I think, can really speak to older siblings who felt a responsibility to the younger siblings based on life circumstances. I think this story arc can really speak to people who were maybe disillusioned or who had arguably too much responsibility that they shouldn't have had early on. And it speaks to those down. people, yes, in a very quiet subtle subtle way because in in some regards but not in all regards we can understand what it feels like to be trapped in a system at least with these two women in a justice system who are unable to pay for basic necessities after an agency of the government destroyed their homes via a very quickly processed government domain destruction like where were child services Where was government aid or repayment? None. Seeing how badly the Jedi and and to that extent the Republic government handled this horrible situation on this singular planet Mm -hmm. 
their home planet. Like, yeah, like home base. Home base. It's as if the Yankees were just like, you know what? Every house in this, like, it's now ours. Yep. Nobody else is it's ours. It's no mm-hmm. wonder that discontent is growing. And so we understand that some viewers, as we've said, just were like, nah, this wasn't good. But to some of us, it's very much like Harry Potter in the stairways cupboard. Mm. It was relevant and important. So thank you, Star Wars and Dave Filoni, to giving us that story that I hadn't yet seen on screen. Mm -hmm. Anything else to add, Colleen, before we move to our third one? Mm. I mean, we can just talk about Luminara a little bit again. Like you had said, we don't need your force will be with you in prayers. Like they needed food and shelter and they were just left there with nothing. And Luminara apparently doesn't give them a thought afterward that we know of or else she probably would have gone and helped them. And this really, this is an inherent cold demeanor. It's not what you want in a police force because this is basically what they are, the Jedi, to the people of Coruscant. They're the police force. And they're supposed to be protecting the populace. Like, yes, Luminara did have to make a trolley car kind of decision about who would die from that transport. And that's why I never drive trolley cars. No kidding, right? (laughs) But still, like, somebody dropped the ball on frickin' Cad Bane getting Zero the Hut out of prison, too. Yep. I mean, there are just way too many things going on here. And Palpy is obviously behind a lot of it. But we can still put blame on Luminara here for absolutely failing these two sisters yep and for our third critique we notice mm-hmm. people criticizing almost seemingly in a way the fact that ahsoka is showing some weakness here i mean there were certain things that ahsoka could have done one could argue to get off planet to move mm-hmm. the plot forward what that means to them mm-hmm. but like once again with any good hero arc it's not possible for someone to be a badass the whole time. And yes, that's not interesting. Not interesting either. And and if she had, she could have gotten them killed. Mm-hmm. She could have revealed herself. They could have turned on her. We mm-hmm. have to remember, dear listener, that at this point in time, we are still watching Ahsoka be Gandalf the Grey. And we need to give Dave Filoni a chance to have her tell us that the <laughs> darkness, the Sith, it shall not pass. She won't let it take hold permanently. Mm-hmm. And and we're seeing her somewhat afraid of the truth of where she's come from, of some of the things that she relied upon, she believed in. Mm-hmm. And I, I empathize with her arguably more than ever right now with that oh yes for sure becoming disillusioned yeah where your entire life was focused on it's understandable that she wants to hide yeah. and that she's not like all powerful jedi yet and like i i hate the phrase hot take so for like for those of you who love it i guess that's my hot take on hot takes <laughs> But, but I would posit that a quote-unquote hot take is <laughs> I compare some people's reactions to, to how they're enjoying or not enjoying Ahsoka's arc. 
as as similar to the response to Harry Potter's character reflected in book five, where he was very much a teenager mm-hmm. going through teenage things, having the most paraf- powerful homicidal maniac yep. hunting him down with people in the government and his peers not <laughs> listening to him. I don't know about you, but I'd be a reluctant hero yep. too. <laughs> yes yes i'd be pissed like all the damn time Uh, (laughs) it's amazing he wasn't more angry in that book (laughs) so to all of you reluctant heroes out there to all of you essential workers out there you all get Mm -hmm. some best flipping Mm -hmm. best car Mm -hmm. as we pivot to the segment who won the episode the best best car who gave in our minds this was a little bit hard Mm -hmm. for us again the outer rim job experience for best best car for us colleen it's got to be that special effects team the explosions in this were great there were multiple chase scenes that were fantastic the firefights it was chock full of amazing action sequences sure they ended up back in the same place but all of these set pieces were incredible yep and these kind of special effects they're not easy to animate so we want to give all of our snaps all the snaps to the amazing effects team. Like, good job, guys. Yep. Incredible work. And pivoting to our best best car for the core of the episode, we mm-hmm. are giving it, we're a little bit excited, to Trace mm-hmm. Martez. Colleen, break yeah. down for us um, why it was Trace and maybe not Ahsoka, right? Why, why Trace mm-hmm. here? Why is she our hero? She was just spitfire this episode she had that big han solo energy when she was running down the prison hallways like just yelling at unseen foes this was just like han did on the death star in a new hope i loved that comparison to him yep she can think on her feet like when she fake fainted in the torture chamber and they caught her like hell yeah girl very marjorie tyrell yes like use their prejudices against them yep she freed the fellow prisoners She's a pretty good shot with that blaster. Yeah. She bravely goes to find Ahsoka and her sister to free them. Like, the list goes on for this episode. And we've kind of gotten down on Trace a little bit for being naive yep. throughout this arc. But she's got so many, like, so much guts. Yeah. And we respect her for that. Yeah, it was, it was really exciting to see Trace being more than just a two-dimensional little sister figure. It was very mm-hmm. exciting to see her take on some of that responsibility as Rafa and Ahsoka do the morality B-plot drive. Mm -hmm. But we'll say, you know, again, we're we're hypercritical sometimes of Rafa. We're going to give her a little head nod here, too, Mm -hmm. for not giving up um, Trace for dumping the Mm -hmm. spice. I mean, Rafa, again, we we get the sense that she's very much, I've got to flip and survive. I don't blame mm-hmm. her for it. Will I question her motives and actions? Sure, yeah. that's what I get to do as a podcaster. Yeah, Ahsoka for it either. Exactly. Like she did, yes. She didn't blame Ahsoka for dumping it either. Yeah, and so while she hid behind both of them when the pike <laughs> yes. guards came to grab her, <laughs> um, uh, props Ooh. to her being a survivalist and still not mm-hmm. selling out her two comrades mm-hmm. and arms. And... Although Ahsoka and the sisters don't have all the answers and hopefully they'll find a few more and we expect them to in upcoming episodes, we can Mm -hmm. help you find them by moving on to the Master and Apprentice 
section. And this, I'm really super excited for this segment because I think this is the first time that kind of listeners got to engage with us more than I had questions for this episode. So props to you listeners to kick Mm -hmm. things off, not dealing with this specific episode our friend and perpetual question asker, which I love, yes, love Sloan it. asked if Tarkin knows that Anakin is Vader. Colleen, mm-hmm. why don't you break this down for us? Because I've been chatting for a while. So there's tons of theories on this as to whether or not Grand Moff Tarkin knows who Anakin is as Vader. Since he knows Anakin from the Clone Wars and is pretty close to Palpatine when we come into the original trilogy... It's reasonable to assume that Tarkin knows who Vader really is. Using this leverage would put him on an even playing field with the Sith Apprentice, much to Vader's chagrin. Mm -hmm. Like, Vader's probably like every time he sees him, like, this fucking guy. This guy. He knows who I am, so I can't say anything. And Palpy likes him, so I can't say anything. Like, blech. Okay, so first little bit of evidence, looking at A New Hope, episode four. Tarkin knows that Vader was once a Jedi, saying he is the last of the religion. So he's wrong about Vader being the last. So what you gonna do? (laughs) He he still knows that Vader was once a Jedi. And you can kind of see Vader look at him like, shut the fuck up. We're not supposed to be talking about that. Yep, yep, yep. Tarkin's just like blasting it all over the Death Star. And then there's also the canon novel Tarkin where we find out that he is at least very suspicious oh. that Vader was Anakin. And the novel is set before that. You... Oh, yeah. To be to be fair, yeah. Tarkin may be the only person in canon Star Wars going, but the face doesn't match the voice. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that sounds more like James Earl Jones. Yes. <laughs> Here, where's Mufasa? Here is a little excerpt from that novel, Tarkin. Quote, Tarkin grew convinced that Vader knew him much better than he let on, and that behind the bulging lenses of his face mask, whatever remained of Vader's human eyes regarded him with clear recognition. Sweet. More than anything else, it was those initial feelings that had provided Tarkin with his first suspicion as to Vader's identity. Later, observing the rapport the Dark Lord shared with the stormtroopers who supported him, and the technique he displayed in wielding his crimson lightsaber... Tarkin grew more and more convinced that his suspicions were right. Vader might very well be Jedi Knight Anakin Skywalker. (laughs) Tarkin is also spending a lot of time looking at Vader's bulging crimson lightsaber. (laughs) That's what's clear to me from this passage. Mm -hmm. That's what's clear to me. I apologize for cutting you off. When that lightsaber gets engorged, (laughs) Tarkin's like, oh, that's Annie the angel. (laughs) Yep, that's Anakin. I know that kid. Mm. <laughs> I'd recognize that <laughs> that <laughs> lightsaber anywhere. technique anywhere. <laughs> well spotted. <laughs> and then Palpatine also assumes in the novel that Tarkin has recognized Vader's old identity. And we can kind of trust that Palpatine's assumptions are correct. Yeah. Because they usually are. <laughs> and for some of you who were, whose ears perked up, regarding the cis side going last (laughs) who are like um what's about this the last jedi there's Mm. a fairly common question that people have Mm -hmm. um sometimes before and after watching clone wars and rebels sometimes Mm -hmm. after why oh why did the Mm. (laughs) all-knowing green one from our youth 
Yoda and Obi-Wan say that there are no more Jedi when we have the receipts. We see Kanan and Ezra in Rebels, and we see Cal Kestis in Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. WTF? Yep. What's with mm-hmm. what's with the force wielding kangaroos? <laughs> right, they're all supposed to be dead. Yoda and Obi Wan promised us they were. Yeah. So I I'm gonna put this in George Lucas's yard a bit. Oh, George! Like when he originally wrote the original trilogy. He might have thought there weren't any other Jedi out there after Order sixty six, but people who watch the Clone Wars might recall the season episode "Children of the Force," where a plot involving kidnapping Force sensitive children is revealed. So George was in charge of Clone Wars too. So <laughs> this is of course after the original trilogy, so he might be retconning a bit. I actually like this development, this kind of reveal that Project Harvester is what this is called. That which is sounds ominous. Chilling as fuck, Pelpy. Like, way to name in these projects really well here. (laughs) Like, damn. This Project Harvester is in evidence in Rebels as well. With our specters, they're trying to protect all these Force-sensitive kids that they find from the Inquisitors. And the Inquisitors, their primary job is to hunt former Jedi and find these Force-sensitive kiddos. So even in the first frickin' episode of Rebels, very first episode, very first scene... Yep, watch Rebels. Always. <laughs> Obligatory always, watch Rebels. Always watch Rebels. <laughs> we get Vader. Like, the first person we hear is James Earl Jones, which is great. He is telling the Grand Inquisitor that his task is to hunt down Children of the Force. Because they will pose a threat to the Emperor. Now, the Grand Inquisitor, he's ordered to try and lure the... Okay, this is maybe the older children to the dark side because the younger ones they find they're probably easily going to be able to turn them. Yep. And if they refuse, they're supposed to be eliminated along with any remaining Jedi who might try to fr- like train them. Delightful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And, oh, and then our friend John also pointed out that in the game Fallen Order, former mm-hmm. Jedi Padawan Cal Kestis and former Jedi, I hope I'm... Colleen, do you know how to pronounce this properly? I think it's Siri Siri Junda or Siri Hunda, depending on... I haven't You're played the, the game, so I don't know. I think it's Siri, though, because that's close to the um, constellation. Ah, mm, ah very, be, very scholastic. We mm-hmm. find out that these two completely pronounced properly um, <laughs> Jedi are still active after five years after... Um, Return of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Oh my goodness. It's, sorry. I'm sorry. I, There's too many like, names. <laughs> for the first time ever, I've had like a white claw when, when recording. So, <laughs> mea culpa. Mm-hmm. These Jedis, their mission involves those adorable pre-Jedi kids too. And they run mm-hmm. into Inquisitors in the game as they try to find a holocron full of the children's identity. Little bubbies, yeah, little Cute bubbles, little bubble, like juggling their little blocks and stuff. And with so the, force. the spoon is not a spoon. Spoon is not a spoon. And so, why then did Yoda and Obi Wan say that there are no more Jedi, or as John also pointed out, that Luke and Leia are their only hope, which mm-hmm. seems to be pretty problematic. Um, mm-hmm. So to look at a few points to to start us off and then Colleen take 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 us away, take us home. By the time we get to mm-hmm. a new hope, Empire and Return of 
oh my goodness colleen just take it away i <laughs> i can't i can't do abbreviations on on a singular white cloth that's okay sometimes i can't either sometimes i look at it and i'm like why did i write that i'm just okay. i'm just i'm not going to cut it out so that i can live with my embarrassment <laughs> i love it i love it one of these days i'm gonna do the same thing and be like well guys I've had my fifth uh, glass uh, of uh, wine. Uh, uh. <laughs> we are at that time in the podcast, folks. <laughs> okay, so excellent point from John pointing out that it was really irresponsible for Yoda and Obi-Wan to be like Luke and Leia are our only hope, considering there are probably other Force-sensitive people out there. But by the time, like, to, to see, like, okay, Obi-Wan and Yoda might have had a point in the original trilogy, because by the time we get there to A New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi... Kanan is dead. Ezra is missing. Ahsoka is also missing at this point. Like at the very, very end. She kind of emerges later on, we find out, but nobody knows that yet. Yeah. And she's also technically not a Jedi. I am anymore. no Jedi. She's no Jedi. She's folks. no Jedi. Nope. And we don't know what happens yet to Cal Kestis and Siri. They might have died also before the original trilogy begins. And there are supposedly more games in the works, so no doubt we will get to see where their arcs lead. I'm guessing it's probably going to end in death. <laughs> there is more merch to be bought. That yes, much is clear. Definitely more merch. And even if there are like four sensitive kiddos out there, there wouldn't be enough time to find or train them yeah. without the holocron list. Like Obi-Wan, he's guarding Luke. He doesn't know where all these other four sensitive kids might be. And Yoda is pretty conspicuous. If he were out looking for kids, Vader and Palpy would be on him yeah. in an instant. Yeah. And he's, and he's also not in the best shape. I mean, he got the beat down from Palpy at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He retreated to freaking Dagobah to basically die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's hanging around to try and see if something else will happen. But he's depressed because he has failed. Uh, like, he's a complete and utter failure. So we got to give the guy a break. Like, he's probably in the back of his head thinking, you know what, there are probably some other Force-sensitive kids out there, but we ain't got time, y'all. We yeah. ain't got time for that. And you also you mm -hmm. also have to wonder, I guess, from a, from a like, a really ridiculous <laughs> philosophical highbrow thing, mm. can a child who has not been absconded in their youth uh, <laughs> actually become a Jedi without the Order? Like, is so, right. because in mm. my mind, I think, well, okay, even, like, let's, let's fast forward all the way to, quote-unquote, where we are now, Palpy mm -hmm. and his clone clones are dead <laughs> there's no more sith presumptively more force wielders will be born so mm -hmm. it 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 is weird i think it's an excellent point and an excellent question and mm -hmm. i i suppose my default answer is like there'd be a manipulative as fuck yeah <laughs> they're just telling luke he's the only hope to try and get yeah. his ass in gear yeah 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 <laughs> Um, and so, and so also we remember as viewers that Obi-Wan and Yoda both knew of the prophecy and that it might pertain yep. to Anakin. Yep. And like, mm -hmm. again, I will forever have a huge, at least intellectual crush on Qui-Gon Jinn, who again, mm -hmm. like Al Gore was like, yeah, uh, there's like <laughs> a, a thing that's gonna happen and people didn't listen. 
So mm-hmm. it's it's hard to say. I wasn't part of the Jedi Council. I don't know what I would have done if an older gentleman who wasn't following the rules <laughs> was like, <laughs> you know. So that's why we listen to me, folks. Yeah, this is why we love these stories because mm-hmm. I I think that's the great thing. There there isn't a definitive, forever, absolute, unequivocal right answer. But yeah. we do know that while Obi Wan transfers his chosen one belief to Luke. This is because he's Anakin's son. So was he listening finally to Qui-Gon Jinn in this response? Is this just a different interpretation of the prophecy? Is this still a prophecy that we have yet to see fulfilled? Maybe Rebels Season 5, what Colleen and I are really, really excited about. We'll see. There's also the cool take that Yoda believes that Leia could have performed this duty. I mean, we yep. saw her. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is that's, another. <laughs> that's my tough take of her being able to fly through space. I didn't mm-hmm. appreciate that, but that... She's a badass bitch. But man. yeah, she like, that's unequivocal. So, mm-hmm. so we respect the question. Hopefully we've mm-hmm. given you guys some things to think about there. Anything else on that point before we bid our listeners adieu, our dears? I think that's pretty much it. Just to reiterate the fact that Obi-Wan and Yoda knew that these two kids were probably going to be insanely force powerful. So they put all their money on them. Yep. Like, that's what they did. They didn't have to go and search the galaxy. They had these kids right there. They didn't want to risk Vader or Palpatine finding them. So they just focused their attention on the twins. And so I think that's a great place for us to say, well, they continue in Star Wars universe to focus their attention on that. We welcome you to join us again next week or frankly, whenever I am finally (laughs) mentally capable in these trying times to help us Mm -hmm. geek out together about Clone Wars Season 7, Episode 8, The End of Ahsoka's Walkabout. I thank you and we thank you at the BGS team. Thank you so Mm. much for your patience during these crazy times. Stay sane. Stay safe. Mm -hmm. Until then, please let other geeks know who love exploring Star Wars and maybe who enjoyed Matilda know about BGS and let us know Mm -hmm. that they can find us wherever they enjoy their podcasts. Colleen, can people Mm -hmm. send us questions? You're darn right they can. How can they, can how can they do questions. that? Oh, I've got that info right here. Thankfully, otherwise I'd forget. So if you do want some answer, like questions answered during the Master and Apprentice section by emailing us at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com, following and reaching out to us on Twitter and Instagram, and just getting deeper involved in our shared geeky community in a galaxy close, close to your ears and our hearts. Thanks so much, everyone. Sabers up and keep those episodes streaming. Whoop, whoop. Star Wars. That was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, season seven. Star Wars. That was on Star Wars, specifically Clone Wars, episode seven. That was some show you put on just now. Just doing our job, Captain. (laughs) 